Wow, you know, acapella music's pretty good. That was great tonight, and it's great to worship together, and there's such a spirit on Sunday night, and I love that, and it's great to be down here together in the chapel, and I always think, this is so good. Maybe we ought to, instead of having two services on Sunday morning, try to make it where we have that kind of singing in here, so we'd have to have four services on Sunday morning probably to get everybody in. You would want to go to an early one because let me tell you, every time I present the sermon, it gets a little bit longer. So you wouldn't want to be there for the fourth service. Glad you're here tonight, though. We continue to talk about glimpses of God on TV, and we always have folks come in and out. And what we're doing with this little series is, is I want, I'm praying and hoping that we won't ever just watch TV or watch a movie or listen to a song without somehow thinking about God and that God will be a part of what we call our secular life, and that we will realize there is not a separation between our church life and our other life that we live, but yet it is all part of this relationship with God, that we are always with God. And so I hope that as we talk about some of these TV shows sometimes, that we will realize, oh, when I'm watching television, there are messages from God or things I can get from that message that, that is important. So tonight we're not talking about one specific show, but we are talking about family shows. Every one of these shows, the reason they're chosen is because they have family in the name. And, so, and I'm not endorsing any of the shows that I tell you every week. But, you know, family feud right there in the middle. And then on one side there, we even have a Bible class named after family ties, named after that class. And all in the family, that would be a good name, but we don't want to be those people, right? And then, of course, the Adams family down there and a few others that you see. So family is a big thing. It sells. People want to be a part of a family in one way or another. And so there have been dozens and dozens of shows about family. And then there are all kinds of shows about family that don't have the word family in the name, although all of these do. Because people relate to families. You either have a great family, a terrible family, or something kind of whatever type of family. Families all have good times, or most families have good times, and all families have difficult moments. And so all of it makes a story, so to speak. But you also know that in the church, we are a family as well. We're a little bit different in the church in that we aren't blood, but we are united by the blood of Jesus. Now, it's true that we have some folks in this congregation that are blood and they are united by the blood but what makes us a family tonight as we come together is that we all have the blood of Jesus or we are seeking how to get to the blood of Jesus and so it's really important that we think about that I was just thinking about this church family today as I was sitting down here on the front row and thinking about all that goes on in this congregation now it's incredible if you look at our calendar online it is amazing how many things are happening all the time in this family in one way or another, and a lot of things I never even know about. This morning, there was worship service, there was a Bible, there were Bible classes, there was another worship service, and some of you might have gone home and thought nothing else happened until either you started watching tonight or you came in today. But there was a welcome party, I guess you would call it, for Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay um, Hawkins, almost called her another Lindsay, Lindsay Hawkins, who, um, who is our new counseling director. Then there was a shower today for Larray Hiles for a baby, a baby shower. There was an elder staff meeting today. 
there were other groups that were meeting in the building and people that are meeting in small groups tonight. And, and I'm guessing the youth group's probably going to do things and others are doing things. That there is a lot going on all the time in an active family. Now, unfortunately, we also know of churches where probably not much goes on and maybe that's not a very healthy family. But this is a healthy family, a good family. But you go back to the Bible, and we're mostly tonight going to look in the book of Philippians, and we're going to first, instead of talking about something good, we're going to talk about family trouble. We're going to talk about family trouble in the early church. Now, if you have read the book of Philippians, and we have covered this before in different parts of it, but the Philippian letter, the letter to the Philippian church in the ancient city of Philippi from the Apostle Paul, is one of the happiest of all the letters you can read. Oh, it's so happy, and it starts out with that part in chapter 1 about I always remember you whenever I, and I thank God for you. Every time I remember you, I thank God for you. You know, all these beautiful words, and they're so powerful. But it appears that this letter was written because everything wasn't always so good. It's a short letter, but by the time you get to chapter 4, it starts with this passage that you probably already read tonight as I was talking. I plead with you, Odia, and Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended by at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. I plead with Yodi and Syntyche. There is a problem going on with these women. Now, who they are, we don't really know for sure, except we know that they're Christians. People like to do all kinds of speculation. We don't really know, except we know that they are Christians who have been serious about their faith, and they have worked with Paul, and it appears they've evangelized. But now these women do not see eye to eye together, and they are causing issues and with each other, and apparently it's boiled over into the church. And that appears to be the reason that the whole letter to the Philippians was written, because there's a problem. And sometimes there are problems in churches. And I am so thankful that in our time here, our 16 years here, we have never had any type of major issue from time to time. There's this or that, but never anything that's just overwhelming at all. But there was a problem. And sometimes churches have issues and sometimes families have issues. And then they have to think about how do we go about, how do we deal with that? How do we go about it? But I hope you know, thinking about us as a church family, that we must stay united because the world wants to divide us. That is the goal of Satan. That is the goal of people who hate religious groups is to divide us. That's what they want to do, right? Sometimes it's propaganda. You, you read things, and, and I read things about Russia and Ukraine, and sometimes I wonder if what I'm reading, are they just trying to divide those nations, so that they will turn on inside each other. Whichever side you're on, they'll turn on each other. Same thing obviously happens, it seems like, as a nation, as the United States, that maybe sometimes there are people that want to divide us so that we'll hate each other and we'll turn on each other. Well, don't be surprised if that exact thing doesn't go on in churches. And people who don't like church, so to speak, don't love Jesus, want us to crash and burn, as they sometimes say, and have our plane go down. Some want that. Well, the world wants to divide us, so what we have to, first of all, if we can recognize it wants to divide us, then we can stay, we have a better chance of staying united because we know what they're doing, trying to do to us. So in Philippians chapter 1, in verses 27 and 28, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Whatever happens... 
whatever, doesn't matter, good, bad, ugly, whatever happens. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. What's the sign that you'll be saved and they'll be destroyed? That you stay united. That's the sign. That, whether, that, that you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You act like Christ. And that will be a sign they'll know. Well, we can't penetrate that. We can't get through to that. God's going to save them because they're going to stay faithful to him. They're not going to give up. They're going to stand firm in what, in, in what they know to be right. The Christian family should look like Jesus. And you know, obviously, I, I, can't, I can't put a put like a copyright on that statement because has that not been said about 10 gazillion times? Oh, the Christian family or the Christian should look like Jesus. Well, everybody says that. Hey, you need to look more like Jesus. But what does that mean to look like Jesus? What would that mean to look like him? Does that mean that I have to wear sandals and a robe and, and you know, carry a, a cross and die? And, you know, what would that mean to look like Jesus? What is he saying? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 he makes it fairly clear there, Paul does. Therefore, if you have, and we just talked about this passage not long ago, but therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, let's, let me translate that a little bit. Therefore, if you have even a smidgen of encouragement from being united in Christ, if you have even a, a smidgen of comfort from his love, if you have just a tiny little bit of common, of common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, the opposite, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others, and in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as, as, Jesus, as Christ Jesus. Then he goes into what appears to be a beautiful song there that you know that Jesus emptied himself. If you have any of these things, Yodi and Syntyche, Memorial Church, whatever congregation you want to talk about, whatever individual you want to say, if you have any at all, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, not thinking about your interest, but thinking about the interest of others. And sometimes we say, well, you know, I'm just kind of selfish because I'm human, right? It does not make it right to be selfish. It is never right to be selfish. Now, we may want to be more like God, but not more selfish. As we've talked about before, really, the definition of sin is selfishness. I just read a quote the other day. Really, I heard it on a, on a book I was listening to as I was driving the other day. And, and the commentator was talking about, about Jesus on the cross. 
and, and I'll probably develop this into something later, so you'll have to hear it again, but I'll do it on a Sunday morning, and those people won't know, okay? So, but you all will. You'll have the inside story. But when Jesus was on the cross, and you remember the leaders came, and the leaders, the, the religious leaders came, and they said, save, save yourself. Get down from there and save yourself if you're the Son of God. I don't know why I never thought about this. I realize I'm probably the last one there to figure this out. The last thing Jesus would do is save himself because if he saves himself, he's not saving us. Do you realize that? The most incredible act of kindness, of love, of humility is Jesus not saving himself so that we will be saved. And this is what he says. If you want to look like Jesus... If you're going to have the same mind as Christ Jesus, this is what you'll look like. And he says, if you get anything out of this life at all, if you get anything out of being a Christian or coming on Sunday night or watching on the Internet, if you get anything out of that, then this is what I ask you to do, to have the same mind, have the same love, be one in spirit, of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In your relationships with one another, Euodia, Syntyche, and everybody else have the mindset of Jesus. Well, we should be different from everyone else. We ought to look differently. Folks out in the world do, people at work, whoever, people who don't know Jesus and sometimes say, boy, I'm going to say this because they said that. Well, realize that whoever it is probably that said this that you want to say back to is probably someone that doesn't know Christ, especially if they're outside of the church. They're probably someone that doesn't, don't have the same relationship with Jesus that you have. And so we ought to be thinking differently in what we say or how we react to other people. And so in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 14 through 16, this is what he says. Uh, you know what? I don't even want to read this one. <laughs> Do most things without grumbling or arguing, okay? <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Now, wouldn't you think he's talking about the 21st century here? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Could that be 2022? Then... After you're not griping and complaining all the time, when you're no longer grumbling, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. When you no longer look like everybody else, then you shine like a star. But some people don't want to see the stars, right? Because they want to stay in the darkness. And so he says, that's when you look like a star. That's whenever you bring this hope to the world, whenever you bring this pleasantness, this happiness, whenever you think differently and act differently than others. So it goes along not just with acting, but thinking, think differently than others do. And so he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
if there is anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Boy, that's really hard sometimes, isn't it? Because sometimes we want to think about whatever is wrong. And, and our minds lead us places and we go off where in, in, in places in our mind we shouldn't be because we're thinking about what's wrong and what's not noble. We think about things that are impure. Sometimes we just think about our neighbors and how bad those folks are. We think about church folks and how bad they are or whatever it is. And, and sometimes that leads to actions that aren't pure or noble either. And he said, as a Christian, as one that loves Jesus, as one, as one that wears the name of Jesus, I want your mind to change and your actions to change. But your actions won't change for long if your mind doesn't change. So it's got to start right here with thinking on whatever is noble and true and right and pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy and excellent. And we can't forget our commitment to each other, right? We have a commitment to each other, and we can't forget that. Now, going out of Philippians here for just a moment, I think about another congregation in, first, in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians. Some of you know this passage that just came up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Sometimes this is read at the Lord's Supper. Sometimes you'll remember it, and, and we read about how to take the Lord's Supper and to remember Jesus and, and those things. But you remember how that started. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. And you might remember what was happening whenever they met together. People were literally getting drunk before, I guess, they took the Lord's Supper. But they were having, the way it probably worked with this little love feast that they would have is wealthy people would have the church meeting at their house. The church would meet in various houses. They'd go to a house that was large enough to have maybe 35 or 40 people, but there would be a table where they would have this feast, and, and the wealthy people could get there early because they were the bosses or they didn't have jobs at all, whatever it might be, and they would go into this little area that would be then have a curtain where every, no one else could see them. And so the, the peasants would get there as soon as they could, and they would sit out in the foyer of this house, where maybe there would be 30, 35 people, a lot of people, and they can hear all this noise that's going on on the other side of the curtain. On the other side of the curtain, there's this huge party going on, basically. Of, it's a Christian party where the church, the wealthy folks of the church, or those who can arrive early, have enough money to bring food, were getting drunk. And so he says in the following directive, I have no praise for you because your meetings are doing more harm than good. Now, I don't, I've never been to a church where there were a bunch of drunk people. I've never seen that in my life, okay? But I have heard some scary stories about people when they went to church and the things that would happen whenever they went and the conversations they would have and the way they would tear down people. I do know of that, and praise God, that is not us, and we say that humbly. We don't want to be that. But there have been those times and places where Meetings didn't really do any good. They did a lot of harm because people went away mad and angry and they tore down people and God wasn't honored and people weren't honored. And so we should focus on building each other up. That's what we're about is building each other up. And so 
you know that famous passage we've also talked about over in Hebrews chapter 10 in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, this is kind of important. Spur each other on to good deeds. Now, part of the reason that we come to worship is to literally worship, to praise God, to sing those beautiful songs like we sang tonight, and to, and to read scripture, and to, and to pray, and those things. All those things are, are very important, obviously. But part of the reason to meet is to encourage other people to keep going. You know, for some of us who, obviously, I sometimes joke, I can't, I can't, you know, convert anybody at work because everybody I work with is already a Christian, you know? And so I'm here in the middle of, like, church life every day, like, like our ministers are, and, and, and we, I go home, and Barbara and I are talking about spiritual things and about church life all the time. It's what we do. It's our, it's our number one topic. It's talking about this place and about the Bible. It's what we do. Some of you are just like that, even though you're not employed here. You are talking about spiritual things all the time, and you're thinking about God, and you're out, not just talking, but you are out there helping people and doing things for people in the name of Jesus. But there are many people who are members of this congregation as well as others, but specifically here that they have either no one to talk to when they get home or they have no one to talk to about spiritual things. And they, maybe their spouse or their kids or their parents, wherever it is, they don't want them to be more involved than just the hour that they're here on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever it may be. They don't even like that. And so some weeks are really hard. And so part of the reason that we meet is to say, keep going. Don't give up. You've got a family right here. You've got a family that is thicker than blood. It is the blood of Jesus that brings us together. It's to encourage people, keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Be a part of us as much as you can be. Be in all the ministries you can be in. But if you can't, keep coming, keep going. Don't give up on your faith. And that's part of the reason that we meet. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We want people to love others. There is so much hate in this world. And that hate just seems to be getting stronger and it tries to drag us into it. But if Christians will, only, will just only be the people who are known for their love, and the people who are known for standing firm in the spirit, as that passage said earlier, if they will be the people who are known for thinking about what is good and right and lovely, if they will be those people, then Christians can change the world the way God called us to change the world. Because we work in the world, and we're in neighborhoods in the world. But if we just stay in our own little place, and everything is about this building or about our house, and we never go out of it and never talk to anybody about it, we don't do anything for anybody. Because no one ever sees it, no one ever knows, unless they walk through the door. Well, as I said, whenever we started, this is a great church, and so many good things are happening and have happened, great things are planned. 
But this is my question for us individually and collectively is how can we be better? How can we be better than what we are right now? More thoughtful, more caring, more honest, more loving, more truthful, more devoted to Jesus than we were when we woke up this morning. How can we be those people? Maybe tonight you need to be baptized into Jesus and start that walk with him. We've had a lot of folks, praise the Lord, that have been baptized this year, and maybe you're one. You're ready to have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you just need prayer, and you can write to us, elders at mcoc.org, or you can ask for prayers afterwards. You can come forward, and we'll pray for you. But we want to be the people that look like Jesus. We haven't completely gotten there, but that's where we're headed and where we want to be. Come as we stand and sing.